Okay, so you know how I'm always pulling my social media family to figure out like what's going on and what it is you guys want to talk about? Well, recently I asked, what is the number one thing causing you stress? And overwhelmingly, the largest percentage of my audience said it was money, financial stuff, not feeling like you had enough money to do the things you wanted to do, worrying about paying for tuition or your retirement, gas prices, not being able to do the things that you want to do because of money. Money is one of the most universal sources of stress. If you're a longtime listener, you know my story. Like, you know that Brett and I were at one point seriously in debt. I know firsthand that money doesn't necessarily buy you happiness, but I also know firsthand what a huge stress relief it is to have enough, to have choices that you otherwise wouldn't have, to have opportunities, to have means to do what you want to do for the people that you want to do. Like to solve a lot of problems, it takes money. And that can be very stressful. So because of that, I'm doing a series of workshops. I do this every year, and this is the week. So depending on when you're listening to this, go to this web address, marketingimpactacademy.com. Guess what? You don't even have to remember that web address. It's below in our show notes, right at the top with the clickable link. And there you can sign up for one of my upcoming free workshops. This year, I'm doing things a little differently. You'll notice that each workshop is for a specific person, depending upon where they are in their journey. If you don't own a business, I think you're going to want to attend the workshop that I'm doing where I'm going to show you how to start a side hustle, how to get an extra stream of income on the side when you have very little time and you don't have money to start a business. But there are a whole series of workshops. Maybe you already have a business and you need to figure out how to scale it. Or maybe you want to attend the workshop that Brett is doing all about money and investing and getting started because I know his episodes around that topic have been incredibly popular and you've been asking for him to do this. So depending on where you are in your journey, I want to be able to help you. I encourage you to sign up for one of these workshops. They're free. You can go to marketingimpactacademy.com now, drop in your email address, and I'll send you the link. Hey, thanks for joining us today on The Shaleen Show. It's Friday, which means it's a Car Smart Friday, and we're in the car. Brett's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. Please, would you... <laughs> Why is that funny? Because where else would you be? In the toddler seat in the back? Toddler seat. Sometimes I drive... I'm in the car? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes means more than once. And you've driven one time. Whatever. Put your seatbelts on, everybody. (laughs) Mom and dad are fighting. I drive when... When you're alone. No, Brett Johnson. (laughs) Shaleen, the only time you've driven me in the car was last week when we were coming back from San Diego because I had to put out fires and you you knew it was driving me crazy and you're just like let me drive and you take care of all this stuff and I was putting- well I really wish you would let me drive more often because a I like driving my car B I have to be on high alert when you're driving so that we don't rear-end anybody literally almost got us killed three times getting on the freeway just because somebody flips me off doesn't mean I almost got, you got us a, killed. You, got, you, you got us honked at flipped off and you crossed three people we need to cross three lanes. Three lanes. You cross three lanes. That's because I had my blinker on. No one was paying attention, so I was like, "I'm coming." Uh, okay, but no. The reason why that was is because you weren't paying attention to ways. I actually was on the call talking, and I heard ways say, "Get in the left-hand lane and make a quick left." And you were like, "In the right-hand lane, and not going to be able to make the quick left." 
whatever. Why don't you let me drive more often? Here's whenever I don't I know. I like to be in control of that situation. Okay, but then you always complain that it's like your hips hurt, your legs hurt, and also you are so aggravated when you're driving. Why don't you just let me drive? No, I'm not going to agree with that. Anyways, this is not what we were going to talk about (laughs) (laughs) on the podcast, but I'm curious how many of you also deal with this because it is a weird thing that, I don't know, sometimes it's like a guy thing. Like guys tend to... I'm a better defensive driver than you are. That's for sure. I'm seeing everything. I think that you, you're startled by a lot of the things that happen in front of you. I, I don't think that you. When are, you're driving, I'm startled. Yes, but when I'm driving, no, I'm an amazing driver. I'm a better. Dri- in, this runs in the family. Marge is the worst passenger driver of all all time, and I think you inherited that when you were sitting in the back seat and your mom was doing it to your dad. I think you subconsciously inherited that trait. I just feel like it's my right. If I feel as though I'm about to die because you totally tailgate everybody. And I did very well in my driver's ed. And I also grew up in Michigan where you understand that the roads could have black ice. So you always want to maintain a certain distance and you do not maintain that distance. And it's troublesome. And I feel like many times I'm in the passenger seat with you that we're about to rear end the person in front of us. And I feel like I mean, isn't it my right to scream if I think I'm going to die? I don't think it's your right. I think it scares the hell out of me. And you just said that you learned how to drive in Michigan with the black ice. We're in Southern California. There's no black ice. All right, fine. So what we were talking about before we started the podcast is a couple of things that are going on. So first of all, we are in kind of a crazy, busy work week. I do these like workshops once a year where we kind of help people who are struggling financially, figure out how to start a side hustle, etc. And this year, Brett is doing one of the workshops because it's really popular when you've been on the show and talked about people's financial situation, investing, and how you've helped our kids figure out how to invest and how you've helped so many of our friends get out of debt and start investing. When people hear investing, that freaks them out if they're in debt because they're like, "What? I don't have anything to invest. So what do you say to that person who is like, I don't know why I would need to learn investing because right now I've got so much debt to pay off first. Can I just ask you, and I don't know how you're going to answer this, but what do you say to that person who says to themselves, like, shouldn't I pay off all my debt before I start thinking about investing? Is that an accurate question? Well, it's interesting because both of the concepts both require the same thing, discipline. So you have to be disciplined to pay off your debt and you have to be disciplined to invest. It's about setting priorities and being disciplined about monthly payments to your credit card payment and also monthly payments to your investment portfolios. And I think that depending on how much debt you have, I you know, talk about ways to get out of debt. But I also think that it's very important, even when you're in debt, to start that process. To start the process, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just so minute. Because what happens is, like you always preach, is it's just a habit. So if you complete your paying off all your debt, you become debt free, right? But you haven't started that habit of investing. Now you got to start a whole nother thing up. And it's like, wait a second, I just got out of debt. And now I got to start putting money towards this. No, just make it a habit before. Like even if it's a $5 habit? It could be five bucks. 
right now, it's the easiest time to invest because there's so many platforms out there. And I, I don't want to get too technical on this. You know, what day is your workshop? It's Sunday. Okay, so you guys are listening to this on a Friday. Brett's going to do Sunday, like this weekend, literally. So depending on when you're listening to this, we're going to do that on Sunday. I'll be there with him. Yeah, and he's going to do, gonna do a, a money workshop on yeah. Sunday. So we'll put a link in the show notes. So yeah. you don't have to go into too much detail. You can do that more on Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to finish my thought in terms of like, there's okay. so many platforms out there where you don't need a thousand dollars or $500 or even a hundred dollars to start. I mean, because they have these things now called because of the, just the way it's set up is they're called fractional shares. So you don't have to buy a whole share of an Apple at 160. You can buy a half of a share. So you can start investing with minimal money. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Lately, we've been watching... I'm going to do another... Oh, my God. What's wrong? We've just been doing so well with our Netflix. How did you know I was even going to say that? Because I'm I'm a mind reader. I've learned how to do that with ADHD. Okay. We've been really... We've got some good, 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 good documentaries that we've been watching and so I'm gonna have to do another podcast about like what to watch maybe I should just do that like once a month I know Brian Regan he's here as silver see now who's got ADHD they don't even know what we're talking about because we just passed a billboard and Brian Regan was on the billboard and he's a great comedian totally perfect family comedian anyways back to Netflix (laughs) let's talk about what we've been watching on Netflix because here was the thing I asked at dinner tonight. We went out to dinner with my... I consider them a a niece... How do you say it? Huh. Okay. They're, they're I consider not, them because this is a, a family member by choice, not by blood. We've been talking a lot about family members who are, you know, your family and siblings by blood. I have a couple of sisters who are not sisters by blood. They're sisters by choice and they have children. And one of my sisters by choice has a child who is non-binary. And so we were at their birthday party tonight. And so that child is non-binary, right? So I, but I don't know whether to call that child my niece or nephew because they don't identify really as either. So that's kind of interesting. But anyways, we were at dinner. Don't ask me what to call it. I don't know. know Maybe somebody in my audience will tell me. I should probably just ask them. Yeah, when it's not like when it's like a niece or a nephew. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that is a good question. Okay, but anyways, we were at dinner and I asked the question because we were watching all these documentaries about predators and con men who are very famous, like Cosby, like Hugh Hefner, and this guy named Jimmy Seville. How do you say his name? I think it's Seville. Seville, yeah. S-A-V-I-L-E. Anyways, what they all have in common, it was like they all basically had like notoriety, fame, and total adoration from the public in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And because partly because of that, they were able to have access to hundreds of victims and become these, this sounds strange to say, but these like beloved predators who were hiding in plain sight. And that's the theme with all of these gross, disgusting predators is they, they became so callous. And, and with each one of these guys, they would even like talk about what they were doing and openly but 
everyone loved them. And they were also doing, all three of these men were also doing amazing things for charity, for children, for women's rights, for the rights of black Americans, you name it. So it was almost like they're gaslighting the public. So if you start to have like any suspicion that these predators were actually creeps, you felt like, why am I even thinking this? This person's so awesome and everybody loves them. And so my question was, and I'm curious what you guys think, because of social media and because of awareness and because of these stories, are we going to hear less and less? I mean, are there less opportunities for people to be serial predators or is it just it's always going to happen or is it because now there's now more awareness that it gives other potential predators kind of the blueprint for how to do it? What do you think? I think the key word is serial. I think that there will always be predators. I think there will always be those people that, you know, whether it's a babysitter or it's a relative or a close friend that, you, you know, that you hear about. And it's a one, maybe two off type of thing. Like, you know, it's there's not a serial thing attached to it. I don't think when you're talking about like the one that we talked about with Seville, the one, the, the guy that lived in London and did this through the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. And in the 90s. In the 90s. And when he was dead they found out afterwards that over 400 people came out and said that he you know molested them or raped them or whatever you know all the different things that he did mm -hmm. i find it very hard to believe that there will be serial ones 20 years from now that they're like oh this happened in 2000 or 2010 i personally i i just i think with social media i think it's going to be a lot difficult and the awareness I agree with you that there is less likelihood that someone's going to rack up 400 victims who's also in the public eye. But I think all predators are serial predators. I don't think there's very many predators who, you know, strike once or twice. Yeah, I guess the word serial needs to be defined because I, I agree with you. I think that it's probably never just one. But so I, if it's more than one, is it serial? I don't. Mm -hmm. Is it is that the definition? Mm -hmm. More than one, it's serial. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Well, then, yes. But I agree with you that the 400, or even 100 or 50, or 100 or 50 is is not going to happen. I, there's going to be they're going to mess with the wrong person that has been taught the right way, and because you got to remember, you're talking about a generation that these predators, Cosby, Hefner, isn't that Hefner? Hugh Hefner, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugh Hefner and Seville. And what's the Harry Weinstein? Yeah, they were predators when parents weren't teaching their kids. Parents were basically saying, "No, you're wrong," and never and, talk about this. And never again. talk about this again. Nowadays, if a child comes to a parent now, it's on like Donkey Kong. Like parents aren't parents aren't buying that stuff because we were raised. Is it though? I, th I think so. I would think that let's pray. I would think that a parent nowadays, if they heard that, or even a teacher heard like, Hey, this is happening, you know, like, or they notice something with a kid at school is acting a little bit different. And they, and they asked some questions and they got some answers that were a little disturbing. Mm -hmm. I, I think teachers are more aware of that and they would ask those questions maybe. Uh -huh. If I just think there's more awareness. I just think there's more people. I pray that there's more people that are out there in their 30s and 40s that are vigilant for kids. I do too. So what's weird is 
I think more people are apt to come forward and say this happened. So we may continue to see an increase in the number of cases reported. But does that mean that there, it's happening more, that it's more prevalent? Or does that, will that mean people are less reluctant to come forward? I have some deep thoughts about this. Okay. Get deep with us, Brett Johnson. Well, deep in terms of like, it, you know, whether you believe in what punishment you believe in, mm-hmm. I think that there's not much worse than a child predator. Agreed. And I think, I don't know what people, your audience feels about like the death penalty or anything like that, but these people like just getting injected with drugs and going to sleep for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. is not good enough that I think that there should be like a public display of maiming (laughs) and it should be done on national television and and, and predators should be like, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. Really? Yeah. You think that would stop them? I don't know, but that, that person would be gone. I mean, I, I already know what prisons do to kid, you know, I mean, there's, yeah, any, anybody that's a child molester and goes to prison is not, not having a good time, but, but I, I would go one step farther. I, I just, it just, that's the most heinous thing that you can do is to wreck a poor child's like everything. Yeah. Like you just listening to the women, you know, and I've, we've watched show where it's been young boys and you listen to them speak as men Mm -hmm. but to just to watch those women in the way they were like this was my fault i grew up my entire life thinking i was ugly and i did something wrong like they robbed you you basically killed that child yeah and robbed him of like a good healthy life why do you get to just like keep doing what you're doing like it I know it's drastic and you everybody like, oh no, everybody let's forgive everybody and stuff like that. I don't think they can be rehabilitated. No. How do you a get pre- rehabilitated? A, a predator? A pedophile. A pedophile. A pedophile that goes after children. That's why, that's why finally we're at least smart where most states, you ha- they have to be like, you know, registered and like you can go on a website and go, there's a child predator that lives two doors down. I remember you doing that when we lived in our mission bail house, you found somebody that lived like two blocks away. That was yeah. a child predator. Yeah. I mean, it's so there are a couple of websites you can go to. And that's one of the things that we did when our kids were young is if they were going to go play at a friend's house, I would do a search because I wanted to know who lived within a, you know, three mile radius who might be a child predator. I watched way too many Oprah's and I would call the parents and say, Hey, I'm not comfortable sending Sierra or Brock, whatever over to your house because there is somebody who lives at, and I would give them the address who's a registered, I forget what the actual term is, but you know what I'm saying? You could actually see, I know Brett's like all fired up. You can actually see the crimes and you could see registered sex offenders. That's what it was. I could see, you could see if they were a registered sex offender and if it was offense against a child. But even if it was just a, a registered sex offender, I didn't let my kids go hang out there if they lived within a certain radius. Yeah, I'm not. And that's the one thing is about watching these, what do you call it? These shows at night, the ones that are, they're, difficult subjects they're not sexy subjects yeah, they're not they're, they're not good date night get sexy time afterwards documentaries i know i like really really dark content i, I know yeah, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll watch one and then we will literally put on the biggest slapstick funny like brain dead you know reality television show it's almost like cleansing 
Yeah. Because I can't, like, it just gets me infuriated. Especially that the, the guy that we just watched, the Jimmy Seville, goes through his whole entire life and lives to 85 doing all this, never gets caught, you know. Just I know. I kept thinking when I was watching it, this guy, from the moment they show him, is a creeper, disgusting, like weirdo. Is this an English thing? So those of you who are listening from the UK, you know who I'm talking about. He was from Leeds. That was this, the town he was from, Leeds. I just don't, I guess the style of humor and comedy and like what works there is so different from here because I just feel like, and I, I don't know, you'll have to tell me, those of you who are from the UK, I just feel like any American from the moment they saw him would go like, this guy is a creeper. It seems so blaringly obvious. The entire time we were watching the documentary, I kept thinking, how didn't everyone fall? Like, see that this guy was such a disgusting, pervert, gross, weird, disgusting human. Like, from the, like, so obvious. Whereas some of these other folks, like Bill Cosby, so likable. Oh, is one, I mean, you arguably, in the mid-80s, the most likable man on in the United States. I mean, like... On TV, for sure. On TV, for sure. Like, everybody knew him. His comedy was clean. There was no curse words. There was no sexual stuff about it. You know, in the in the air when like you know Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and all those guys were like you know raunchy and stuff like that. He was like clean, but like all American. It's you know, one of the things they said in the documentary, which I thought was interesting, is he took out all references to race in his comedy, which made him acceptable to white audiences, and that's part of the reason why he caught on like in all populations and you know for some people he's been criticized for that right but it had a lot to do with his acceptance if you will in every like in every circle in every household in every circle yeah everybody felt like that's the dad I wish I had or that's the family I wish I grew up with yeah but anyways, I, I really, really want to hear from those of you who are from the UK. What is it? Like, how is it your sense of what's funny? Is it Sark? I don't know. I just or don't. It, or was it that he was just in the in circle? I mean, mm. he was like with the Thatchers and the, you know, Princess Diane and, and uh, you know, all of them. And like, they literally would ask him. He was so well liked and well respected that they literally asked him to approve speeches and how they should handle things and the guy's being his hand and he's getting wait don't say anything that's gonna be triggering no about the pope Oh, okay like he he met the pope yeah like i i know how regularly met with the pope yeah like how hard it is to get to where the pope is like to be next to the pope Mm -hmm. without like you know bodyguards and stuff that should be hanging out like it's just so that might have been one of those things that they you know, that's what the documentary kind of said. It was like, you, you know, he basically just pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. That like, it, There's no way this guy could be doing this. Look at how much good he's doing. He's raising tens of millions of dollars for hospitals and psychiatric wards and paraplegics. And he's raising money for just everything. Yeah. And you, you know, guys have to watch the documentary if you haven't already. Really well for an older like all the footage is from the, you know, I think it's like three series. Yeah, it's like three. So it's quick. But the footage that they have of him because he was a TV star was so cool. Like I literally loved how well, well it was put together. Mm-hmm. You haven't been on the, in a while. I mean, you have, but 
Can you give us two quick updates? Because people are so kind to ask. The first update, if you can tell us, neuropathy, any change? No, but I went to a back specialist. Actually, a really good back specialist who they do all the work for the Red Bull athletes. And they did another MRI. Red Bull athletes? Red Bull athletes. So that's like all the crazy ones. Oh, so, so like it's extreme like motocross, sports. Yeah, stuff yeah, like okay. that. And young guy, and they did a MRI and an x-ray. They wanted to do an x-ray because it showed some structure. And I did those things. I went and met with them. Mm-hmm. And he talked to me for about 10 minutes. And I you know, told him all the things that were going on and how long they've been going on. And he said, well, I only focus on your back. So I am a, I know everything to do about your vertebrae and bulging discs and, and all that kind of an L, you know, L1 and L, you know, all that different stuff, right? He goes, there's nothing wrong with your back. Okay. He said, literally, there's nothing wrong with your back. So, so it's we were, just one more appointment to rule it was, everything out y- yes, in that area. That area. So, which leads me to believe... If your audience wants to know, this is my opinion now, is that I have a neuropathy where it started in my sciatic and there's a bunch of little nerves in there. I don't know because I've never been to a neurologist that if those nerves are bilateral, but obviously they are because this is a bilateral injury, which means it is exactly the same on both sides. Mm -hmm. And I think I touch those against something and they just turned off. It's almost like a fuse box where like, you you know, all of a sudden your lights go out and and they just go out Mm -hmm. and then you have to go back and turn them on. But mine aren't turning on yet. And when they do, they will just come on. You think so? I think so. Because the only other thing it could be is some kind of like internal virus or inflammation or something like that. But the problem with that is it happened. The neuropathy happened instantly. Yeah. That's not typical of a virus. Yeah. And also viruses and inflammation go in and out of waves. Like it, it should intensify yeah. or, or, yeah, yeah. or reduce. And it's been the same for like six months now. True. So that's that. That's what I think it is. So I think I'm just waiting for it to turn back on. Hmm. It, it might sound like, oh, you're just giving up on trying to figure it out. But no, you, you are obsessed with trying to figure it out. Yeah. But I, that's what I feel like it is. Did you know that 50% of people who have ADHD, including those of you who may be undiagnosed, but you suspect that you have it, also have a sleeping disorder? 50% of people. Isn't that crazy? Which probably means a very large percentage of the population has a sleeping disorder and is unaware. Sleeping disorders include like restless leg syndrome, a circadian rhythm disruption, and that is really common for people who have ADHD. It's basically... If your brain turns on at a later point in the day, like like where most people are kind of like shutting down around 930, if that's when you're like your brain starts revving up, it disrupts your circadian rhythm and it's your circadian rhythm that kind of tells your body or your brain when to start producing the hormones that help you to sleep. So melatonin is a hormone that you should produce naturally, but Again, if your circadian rhythms are off, you might not be producing enough. So that's a sleeping disorder. I mean, there's so many different sleeping disorders that I don't think people are aware of. And also that people, I think, fail to recognize the fact that if your hormones are out of whack, your sleep is going to be out of whack because hormones control your sleep. Isn't that crazy? 
That's one of the reasons why when I talk about CBD, CBD is very powerful. It can help recalibrate your central nervous system. It is has more of an impact on some people than others, without a doubt. But when you combine CBD with melatonin and the third ingredient, and this is the key, cannabinol, that is the most, in my opinion, it's like one of the most powerful sleep elixirs that is all natural and it works with what your body needs and already produces. It's not like you're taking a sleep remedy like Tylenol PM or, or even alcohol because even those, those things may help you fall asleep. They don't allow you to get the good sleep, deep sleep and REM sleep. In fact, if you have an aura ring or if you track your sleep, like on a whoop band or any other mechanism where you can see your deep sleep and your REM sleep, you'll see it's completely disrupted. If you're drinking alcohol, if you're doing THC, if you're taking something else to help you fall asleep, don't fool yourself into thinking that just because it helps you fall asleep, it's going to, you're getting sleep, not necessarily. So that's why I'm such a big fan of the sleepy gummy because it has all of those ingredients in it. But there's new research that just came out on cannabinol that I'm like, yes, I've been saying this all along. At least I hadn't seen any research about cannabinol and sleep, but it just makes so much sense. We do know that cannabinol makes people sleepy, but now there's new research to support that cannabinol can aid in minimizing people's, the impact of Alzheimer's, or I should say early onset of Alzheimer's, etc. So that's pretty cool. I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg when it comes to sleep and Alzheimer's and brain fog and all of those things. I just know this. When I look at my brain scan, the thing that made the biggest difference, sleep. I mean, that's without a doubt. But you can't just say like, I need to get better sleep. That I know you're probably listening to this and you're like, yeah, I know I need to get better sleep, but how? I'm just saying, I'm not going to tell you it works for everybody. But what do you have to lose if it's all natural? So try the Sleepy Gummy. It's got all of those ingredients, which means it's probably more expensive, if I'm being honest, than some of these other cheapy CBD sleep gummies. But this is like three incredible ingredients in one. We're working on a new flavor right now. I don't know if it'll be out by the time I re- you guys get this, but oh my God, I cannot wait for you to try it. We've been doing research and development on it. It's so good. I think I can tell you. Yeah, it's like a honey chamomile. It's really tasty. Again, it's these melatonin is a hormone. So you can't like just try it one night and go, well, I don't know, it didn't work or, or I was, you know, whatever. You have to find the right dosage for you, which is going to take some playing around with. And you got to give it at least a week. To be honest, I like two. I like two gummies. That seems crazy to me because Brett takes two gummies too. But I'm like, yeah, but also he doesn't have ADHD. So I take two gummies and I am knocked out. It's, it makes a huge difference. You can try the Sleepy Gummy from My Soul CBD by going to mysoulcbd.com forward slash lean. All right, that's where you get your big discount. You can also click on the link below in our show notes and we'll hook you up with that discount. Just try it. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's not going to work for everybody, but if you've tried other things, what is more important than your sleep? I think we know our bodies really, really well. And when, I don't know if you guys have had this happen where you start doing research and you'll read something, you're like, nope, I know it's not that. And you don't even have to be a doctor. It's like, you know yourself, you know your body, you read things and you're like, 
I know it's not that. And I think it's more this. And I think like 98% of the time we're right. We know our bodies. I agree. And you know what? You said that from like, actually, you know who said that first to me is Sean Stevenson. Mm -hmm. He said, Brett, you're an athlete. You know what happened to your body. Like, you know your body. And when I, when I really sit down and I think about it, I really think it's what I just said. I, I think that I was working out and actually it happened the night before when I had that little shot go through my system when you got into bed and we like, remember that? Remember I explained that? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever said that on the podcast, but oh, yeah. let me tell the story. Okay. So we were laying in bed. Actually, Brett was laying in bed. So I think I caused his neuropathy is what I'm going to say. But he was laying in bed and then I climbed into bed and I like shot over to his side of the bed and I kind of like wrapped my arms around him. And when I did, he goes, whoa. And I'm like, what? And he goes, you just like, I just got like a major, like weird feeling in my body, like a jolt. And I'm like, well, I guess I have that just electric touch, don't I? Yeah. And it literally, it didn't hurt. It was just like, it was just like this little, it was almost like just a little ping that went through my body just really quick. And the next day I did legs and a treadmill workout. And, you know, at the end of the treadmill workout is when my, both my feet went numb and haven't had them back since. And that was June 12th of last year. So wow. It's almost How do you know that? Remember the date? Cause I've had to a couple times cause I've had to like oh. figure it out to write it down okay. for doctors and stuff. The other update I think we should give folks is your dad. Yep. He's doing different. You know what? When people say, how's he doing? We're never going to say he's doing better, but he's doing different. Yeah. And this level of different is a little bit easier for us. Would you agree? Yeah. So we're seeing him a couple times a week and, you know, we got in this like little pattern and, you know, if you, you know anything about Alzheimer's, they, you know, they like the routine. They like to go to the same places. So we go to the same breakfast place. It's in Mission Vale. It's called Snooze. We sit up at the bar. The bartenders, the baristas know who we are. They know what's going on with him. There's always somebody that comes up and recognizes him. And he likes it. He likes how clean it is. He loves the place. He's always like, this place is the greatest, you know? And sometimes he remembers that we've been there before and sometimes he, he doesn't. But you know what's crazy though? What? He, he still, when he gets in the car, and sometimes he forgets the seatbelt, but all I have to do is dad. I'm like, Hey dad, I got to put the seatbelt. He knows right where to go grab it. It's crazy. It's crazy. And the last couple times that we've gone out, he's never been so happy. He's just, he's in this like state right now where he's just content. Which is, I was trying to describe this to someone else tonight. I said, he's gotten far enough into Alzheimer's that in the stage just prior to this, he was more aware that something was wrong. Yeah. And he was more in tune with what wasn't happening and what he wanted to happen. And now he's gotten a little, the disease has progressed further and he doesn't, I don't know how to describe it, except that he doesn't it's not, know. No worry. It's the worry is kind of gone. The worry is kind of gone. Like the, because when I used to pick him up, when when I pick him up, he'd be like, well, Debbie might come. When's Debbie going to come? Like Debbie might be like, he was afraid he was going to miss somebody or, Mm -hmm. or that, you know, just, there was some, there was still that anxious worry. And that's kind of subsided over the last couple weeks. And like yesterday, 
we went out for a couple hours and I've learned to like cherish when they've been like this because mm-hmm. we just had a good time. Aww. We went to the barber shop and the two guys at the barber shop are athletes. They know who he is. You know, they're talking to him and he's talking, you know, he's, he's trying to make sense, but they know. They, they know what his condition is. They know they got the goat in there and they're cutting his hair, yeah. which he loves. I mean, who doesn't like to get their hair cut and make feel good? You know, so he gets in there. He's feeling good. You know, I, I know he's doing that because he takes his hat off and he rubs his hair oh, like this. So yeah, he, knows, he rubs his head. It's rubs so his cute. Head, and, then, and then he thought we were going back. He thought we were going to go back. And he's like, oh. Going so back where? Going back to his place, uh-huh. to, to the facility. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, let's. I go, you, you got to be hungry. He was like, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm like, all right, let's go to our place. He's like, where are we going? And I go, we'll go snooze. We'll go sit up at the bar. He's like, okay. And I, you know, I know he probably doesn't know what that means, but as soon as we get closer and we pull in there, like, he's like, we've been here before. You know, he kind of yeah. recognizes that. Yeah. And we go up there and this lady was sitting in our spots. <laughs> she was sitting in our spot. And so I kind of just, I was, I was like, let's go sit over here today. Cause it looks like we can see the TV a little bit better. And it was cute. There was football highlights. Mm-hmm. because the draft's getting ready. So they're like showing all like the college guys getting ready to get drafted next week. And he goes, there's a game on? We're missing a game right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's like 50 different players, different right, uniforms. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm going, no. And I explained to him, and I, I explained to him about the draft. He goes, they didn't have that when I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. And then we went back and, he, and we got in the car and he's just like, I, he literally said, I have such a good time. Aww. I have such a good time. And then the time before that, he told me that, that Shaleen and I treat him the best. He said, you guys treat me the best. He goes, you guys, he didn't say Shaleen. He goes, Brett, you and Shaleen treat me the best. He, he says said, your name? No. 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 No, no. He hadn't said my name. Yeah, I, I can't. He doesn't remember. say my name. No. I mean, if you if, say if Shaleen's I, coming. If I say Shaleen's coming, he'll say Shaleen. Sure. He, he, he'll repeat. <laughs> But he, he, so he didn't say Brett, he goes, you guys, cause Shalene was at the breakfast with us and she had to go in a different car and he goes, you guys always treat me the best. He goes, man, he goes, I don't know, man, you got, you guys always treat me the best. And it's so cute. Oh, and one last thing we'll tell my dad was, was what? total like reminisce. So where I get the haircut is right by our office. Mm-hmm. And so Sierra was there mm-hmm. and I said, Hey, Sierra's here. Do you want to go see her? And he's like, he's like, okay. And I don't know if he knows who Sierra is, but we walk upstairs. And then as soon as he sees her, he knows who she is. Sure. Like he knows, like I, I'm supposed to know this person. And Sierra was drinking a shake out of a straw. Mm-hmm. And she, he said something to her and she mumbled back because she had a mouthful of stuff. Smoothie. Smoothie. <laughs> And he mumbled right back at her and like to mock her, to mock her, which if you know, my dad, that's, that was essence, Bob. Oh yeah. Bob's whole shtick was, how can I tease you? How can I (laughs) make fun of people? And Sierra almost spit out her shake. She laughed so hard when he, cause Uh, he did it like, it's so neat when you see like little glimpses of who the person was before. And you know, one of the things that came up pretty often in the episodes I did earlier this week about siblings was how challenging the elderly years, the fragile years as they're called, can be on sibling relationships. So many things come up. It can bring up pain from the past, 
suddenly the discrepancies in the way that we were raised and how we think about our parents and whose responsibility it is, it just can create such a massive divide among siblings. And then there's all the stress and emotion and the just grief that you're feeling and just realizing that we're all immortal when you start looking at your parents and realizing they're not invincible like you thought they once were and it just stirs up all these crazy emotions and siblings just are ripped apart during those stages and I just try to explain to people it's so pointless you're you're just you're never ever going to your siblings are not going to see it the way you see it if you're the one who's caregiving you're never going to feel satisfied by the help that they're giving you if you're the one who is trying to you know deal with your own family and you don't have the ability to care for your siblings the parent or the kids who are caring will never understand that you need to prioritize you know what's important in your life like it's just you it's a no win proposition any advice cuz you know i talked about it a lot this week but a lot of people wrote in and they were like i'm so angry with this sibling because they're not doing this or i'm so angry at this sibling because They've stepped in and they've think that they can control my parents and they're making all the decisions. And I don't believe, you know, I don't agree with a lot of things that they're doing. Like there's just so much, like nobody's happy with each other during this stage. Any parting words of wisdom? If you have a spouse, a significant other, or a really, really close friend that you trust what they have to say before you take it to the person that you feel like is not doing their fair share. Mm-hmm talk to them, talk to that significant other or spouse or good friend about the situation and kind of just let it out on them because they'll understand more and they'll give you better advice. I think, I think if you can talk to, I don't think most people are married to me. I give really good advice. If I do say so myself, I I think most people, if they're not in the situation, I didn't give the advice. I said spouse, significant other Mm -hmm. or best friend. Okay. Like the person that you think is the most like level headed. Yeah. But don't you think you just don't understand unless you're in it? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I think the best advice is what you just kind of said where you. You have to expect that or uh, accept that it's never going to satisfy you. It's always going to be di- It's going to be different. It's everybody. It's just like when you're growing up and there's a tragedy, it's sometimes it's going to be it's going to be looked at in different eyes. Like, you know how you always say like, you know, if you have a seven year old brother and a 10 year old brother and you're four, all four, three of those stages Mm -hmm. are going to look at that event differently. Mm -hmm. And that's what you got to, got to know that every Mm -hmm. person is at a different stage. Every person had a different relationship with that parent. Yeah. You didn't have the same relationship with that parents. You know, I know you talked about it, this, you know, like the, the stereotypical first child, you know, might be the one that's a little bit more favored and, you know, held to a little bit more higher standard or, you know, expected to be the leader, you know, and then so that might create some animosity with younger siblings. So everybody comes with different shit. And nobody's right. No, there is no right or wrong. Answer. It's your reality. It's, it's what's going on. Now, that doesn't mean that you can be a complete ass- about it Mm -hmm. like you know but don't expect that your sibling is ever going to understand your position no matter what position you're in or change their mind or change their mind or like oh like oh you're right 
and I'm wrong. It just, it won't, it's the strangest relationship with siblings. You know what I've found? What? Over the years. It's best just with siblings. Just talk to them about what you are, have common ground about. What you know you guys both can like, bond over. Can or? Bond or, or have the same opinion. Yeah. Don't bring up the stuff where yeah. you just know. If, 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 if you know that your, your brother or sister is very, very liberal and you're very conservative, don't talk about politics. Mm-hmm. But if you know that both your, you know, you love a sport or you love a vacation spot or whatever it might be, talk about that. Yeah. Or if you like a type of food, yeah. whatever, talk about the things that you already know that you're going into it. You guys are going to be on common ground and have the, the same, a uh, similar opinion. Don't Cause go you're ta- not going to change. You're not changing somebody that's been around the block 30, 40, 50 years. It ain't happening. And certainly not happening with your siblings. No. Yeah. No, no. All right. So good advice. Great advice. Thank you so much for being here with us. We've got a great Patreon coming out for you tomorrow. If you're not a Patreon member, what do you, you don't even Who's know. Who's not you're... a Patreon member? Some people. They, they I don't, don't under... get me like, but this was like nice, calm bread. Yeah, this is filtered bread. You have got me talking about I, what we I, do to I'm surprised masters. that anybody who listens to Friday's episodes isn't a Patreon member, but I guess some people aren't. But anyways... If you do decide to become a Patreon member, you haven't missed past episodes. You actually get to listen to the past you episodes. Get everything, right? Yeah, they don't expire, so you can just jump in there and listen to every episode. Ooh, there's some juicy stories in there. We love you. We mean it. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Kristen, Shaleen's podcast manager. Look at you. You made it all the way to the end. That's awesome. If you love this episode, which I'm sure you did, why don't you go leave Shaleen a review? She would love to know which episode it was and why you liked it. What hit home with you? Shalene literally reads every single review. She loves hearing your feedback and she uses your comments and your ideas for future episodes. So go leave a review and while you're at it, could you check to make sure you're subscribed? That way you will never miss a single episode of The Shalene Show which we release on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, every single week. Now, if you need a little bit more podcasting to fill up your time on Tuesdays and Thursdays, did you know that Shalene has another podcast that she co-hosts with her son, Brock? Yep, she does. It's called Build Your Tribe. And that podcast is all about business and marketing but also devoted to helping you make more money so you can live more life. If you need Shalene all the time and you're the ultimate lifer, then you have got to check out The Shalene Show on Patreon. Shalene is so personal. She spills the tea on everything that she can't on her regular podcast. And you also get bread. Completely unedited unfiltered, and hilariously confident about everything. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash The Shaleen Show. Anyways, thanks for listening. And remember, anything that we reference in this episode, including the links to our show sponsors and links to the other podcasts can be found in the show notes below.